Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Hog Talk. Help us get our message out by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Once you've subscribed, be sure to share with all of your fellow hog fans on social media. Razorback Nation, this is Jacob from The Hog Talk in Central Arkansas, and we have Ty in Springdale. Today in the Yellow Jacket Driving Studios, we have Kyle Sutherland from Tex Hogs joining us today. Welcome to the show, Kyle. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Ty, what do you think about the baseball? That was that game was something, wasn't it? Yeah, disappointing. But I mean, anytime you get into late innings like that, and Arkansas has like three hits beyond the what I think like the six innings, you it's a it's a rough feeling. Because you just know, uh oh, we're on the road. We're not at bomb. They're not hitting, and they're they're up against a lefty that's throwing a really mean off-speed pitch. Not looking good. And I mean, obviously, the outcome was what it was. Disappointing. We're kind of used to it. We see whether it's runners in scoring position. I mean, over the past four years and the three the three postseason trips, Arkansas's lost. Of a bunch of games with runners in scoring position. I mean, multiple games where you have three to four to five to six. And like last night, you had seven that you stranded on base all night long. And it's not like you weren't getting good contact with the ball. I mean, you'd be hitting line drives, which would be routine uh, outfield hits. But you're lining them, and the guys are going to, uh, the, the Florida State guys, they were making acrobatic catches to, to get them. So you have those extra base hits there. I think Arkansas, if they could have just got some breaks, I think eventually the dam would have broken Arkansas. It would have went the other way for Arkansas. What are your thoughts on that, Ty? Kyle, what do you what do you guys think on that? I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, basically, what it really boiled down to is it was just a pitcher's duel that Florida State made more plays. They, they got the lucky breaks, and um, – Isaiah Campbell, he he pitched a gem just like he has all postseason, but and Drew Paris was just a little bit better, and and they made the plays. Uh, what was the guy? J.C. Flowers. I mean, made that insane yes. catch, robbing Heston Kerstad of the. He, I don't think I don't know that it would have quite been a home run, but at least would have been a double. And right. uh, then comes in for the save, and he he scored the the one to nothing run. So. Drew Parrish was was scheduled to be a, a first-round draft pick to begin the season. He played like it last night, even though he hasn't played like that most of this season. And you just feel bad for Zay with what he's done, not just this year, but especially this postseason. He pitched seven shutout innings yesterday, and and uh, 
10, well, you struck out 10 and then you just can't get any help from your, from the batters. And so it's one, one stat that I saw that really kind of shocked me. Well, it was it's really sad uh, is we have not scored a run in 22 innings since dating back to the fifth inning of game two against Oregon state last year. They haven't wow. scored a run since then in Omaha because obviously they got whooped in game three, didn't score anything and then got shut out last night. So if you look at Twitter, you would think that the season's over and they're on their way back to Fayetteville. But, you know, they live to see another day against Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, it's not over till the fat lady sings. This team has shown their resilience their resiliency all year. That's right. Yeah. And Ty, I, we talk about Drew Parrish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Go ahead, Ty. going on uh, Drew Parrish, you know, he did. Like, they were making a little bit of contact there early on. And Parrish got bailed out by his infield uh, a couple of times. But overall, yeah, he, he pitched – he looked like a first-round draft pick. He looked like Lodolo from TCU, maybe even better than Lodolo. I mean, because Arkansas actually hit on Lodolo a little bit, and, like, Paris just absolutely another lefty, just shut them down. And, you know, I, I'm I'm not – I didn't I didn't take to Twitter, but I was pretty upset, and, and Jacob knows. I sent him a Marco Polo. Like, I just – I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know because my biggest concern is can they hit away from – from bomb stadium. And if you look back at the sec tournament, I know we're not supposed to take that serious. And then you look at their final series of the season, which was also away from bomb. They do not hit well on the road. Like so far since that series, since a and M and then leading into postseason play, which is really only the sec tournament. And then this game. So we don't have a whole lot of examples, but it does, it does. There's a little bit of, there's some cause for some concern, but I do think they're good enough to get past Texas tech. I think they're talented enough to to still find their way back into the championship game, but they they have to heat up behind the plate. They can't stay cold. You know, you're not going to be able to rely on these next, you know, you're starting pitching for, you know, for seven, eight innings like you can with Isaiah Campbell. They're going to have to get hot behind the plate. Yeah, I, I, that's, uh, yes. that's what really scares me is is the fact that you you pitch your ace and here you are after game one, you're in the loser's bracket, you got to win four. Uh, basically to get to the to the championship series and and you're not going to be able to pitch Zay again. That's what scares me the most, especially with the inconsistencies of Wicklander and, and Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, now, crazy thing, too, is, is both those guys actually were, you know, have pitched a pretty decent postseason, you know, compared to the way they pitched during the regular season. It's been kind of surprising. And then Connor Nolan has that meltdown uh, against uh, who was it? Ole Miss. It was Ole Miss, right? Yeah, they lost 13-5, and I think that was Connor Nolan's game. And then Wicklander comes out, and and uh, he struggles. And then middle relief and the rest of the bullpen kind of – they bail Arkansas out, and they win that game 14-1. to I hope – I hope we don't see that version of Connor Nolan against Texas Tech tomorrow night. But, I, I you know, it's going to take – regardless, it's going to take hitting. That's – you know, no more watching these pitches go over the plate. No more swinging at junk. They get, they're going to have to get hot and uh, – they're they're gonna have to probably even bail pitching out at some point. I think I, you know, I I I defended pitching most of the season, but like you said, and you're right, you hit the nail on the head. There, it's been a little um, little bouncy ride for pitching throughout the season, and it has a lot to do with the fact that you know their youth and their age. They're both freshmen, Wicklander and Connor Nolan. So big test for Connor, Connor in uh, this this elimination game for sure. Now, isn't it fitting that? When guys that are struggling on opposing teams against the Razorbacks, it seems like they always find a way to bounce back. It doesn't matter in what sport, 
But here, I mean, as long as I can remember being a Razorback fan, when a guy's having a bad season, all of a sudden they just blow up against Arkansas. And that's kind of what Parrish did last night. A guy that struggled all year long was a All-American uh, in the a, uh, out of the ACC uh, in 2018, struggled this year, and then bang, all of a sudden goes and throws a, I mean, pitches a basically a shutout against Arkansas last night. And, I mean, it's all, it seems every time if a guy struggles, Arkansas is always on the wrong end of the deal because he fi- they find themselves. They find their confidence. We have seen that a lot, especially in football. Like we were just saying off air a couple minutes ago with Johnny Manziel. I'm not trying to completely switch topics here, but Johnny Manziel and no. Pat Mahomes, just two examples right there. And we made a lot of other quarterbacks last season look like Heisman winners. And so, yeah, <laughs> you, you do have a point there. <laughs> Yes, they did. You know, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> they made. I mean, they made. Uh, they, excuse me. They have made a lot of guys just look really, really good. Lights out. I mean, you can go back to the UTEP guy uh, back in 2015, or you can go to the Toledo's quarterback Philip Sims. I think was his name back in 2016. Ely. Yes, yeah, Ely. Ely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was an Alabama transfer. Is all I he's remember. Alabama transfer and his release. I think he. I don't think he held the ball for over two seconds on a single snap. He had one no. of the quickest releases I've ever seen in my life. And Kareem Hunt didn't even play that game. No. And there. I mean, there's so many guys. And last night was another testament. Hog's gonna hog, and they just let Parrish just. Pitch lights out. But, you know, that loss last night really takes away a lot of the spotlight away from Isaiah Campbell, who pitched a terrific game. Seven innings pitch, uh, only allowed five hits, ten strikeouts. This guy's been – he's just been on the money since the postseason began. I mean, you saw him being ace all season long, was really just sharp. And then he just kicks it up a notch, and you're just thinking, man, can he get any better? And I saw a uh, interview this morning that was shared by Otis Kirk, who will be uh, he was sharing sharing a quote with Isaiah Campbell saying this was not his last game to pitch at Arkansas. So he, I think he's a guy that's probably trying to rally the troops and saying we're not done with this thing. I Heck, no, you're not done. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if he was pitching again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think it's crazy for people to think, pitches. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's crazy to think that people that there's so many, and, and you're going to have this, especially in a social media age, of people that that think that this is just all over, and that they I've even seen a couple of people go as far as to say that they didn't care or that they quit. I mean, give me a break, man. This you're the <laughs> you're one of the final one of the final eight teams in a out of what 295. I mean, you got here. Nobody was expecting them to be yeah. here, especially if you look at the last two – like kind of like what Ty was saying, the way that we played against uh, played against A&M and then the SEC tournament. Man, nobody expected this to, at this point, I don't think at all. And yeah, here they, they are. You can't – you cannot overlook the 40-win 40, the 40 record. I mean, that's incredible. And I, I, I sounded pretty negative talking to Jacob last night. I think I was venting off some steam. But some of the stuff on social media, like they were – and it's expected. This is just – Fairweather fans who don't really keep up with base, baseball taken to Twitter. I knew better. I knew when I was venting to Jacob, I was like, no. As soon as I got done recording, I was like, no, come on. They're going to get past Texas Tech. They're going to be fine. And this year has been incredible. And it has. And there's you, – you, even if even if they do get eliminated, like you said, 
Look at the season they had. They had one for the books, man. I mean, that was incredible. You can't take anything away from that. And SEC play and and really all postseason, it, it's been kind of a bumpy ride. But when they're at home, we know they're almost unbeatable other than uh, Ole Miss this year. And they got so much talent coming back next year. Like, it, it's going to be – I think they're going to be probably ranked pretty high going into – you know, there, there's going to be a lot of off-season buzz, I think, about Arkansas leading into next season. I know that's a different topic, another podcast, another day. But, like, I'm, I'm excited about the future. So long as Dave Van Horn is the manager of the Razorbacks, don't ever count them out. Don't ever count the Hogs out, especially when they're in Omaha. They've got a well, shot. And there's tons of people that are starting to count him out in terms of just can he get it done? Can he win the big one? Let me put it to you this way. Dave Van Horn didn't drop a, a pop foul last year. He he can't get out there and play on the field. They were right there. He almost had a national championship. Yep. He's been to the he's been to the College World Series three out of the last five years. Whereas you look at just like you were saying, Ole Miss. Mike Bianco has been there for almost his twentieth year. I think going in the next year, and he's made one College World Series, and they've <laughs> been that patient with him. Put so that in perspective. People don't understand how blessed we are to have this guy. Yeah, so for all you fair-weather so negative Nancys out there, straighten up and listen. Hogs are fine. They are, they're better than fine. We're going to be so. just fine, yeah. And, and the thing is, if, if this is the basketball scenario and you're eight of the 64 teams that made – or if you're the top eight of the 64 teams that made it to the NCAA tournament, the basketball fans would just be ecstatic right oh now. Oh, gosh. The, the College World Series – is the final yeah. four of baseball. It's just the final eight. Yeah. It is it is the final yeah. four. It's the same equivalent as the the final four in, in in the NCAA in the tournament in March Madness. It's the same thing, just more yeah. teams. You know, especially when you consider the amount of teams. I know there's a lot of D one basketball teams, but like it is incredibly hard to get to Omaha and to think that Arkansas's been there ten times. They're part of that ten and up club and that's Obviously, thanks to to Dave Van Horn. Since I don't, when did he start? Oh, yes. was that oh three? Oh two. Oh two. Oh two. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, that's incredible. I don't. I don't think you know my dad, who's been keeping up with Razorback baseball since like the seventies. Is he never thought they'd be able to replace Norm DeBryant. And Norm DeBryant built it, and then Dave took it to another level. Is essentially what happened. Yep. And yeah, Norm took. I mean, he built it. You know, almost won the series in seventy nine with mm-hmm. Kevin McReynolds and that whole crew. And yeah. kind of dropped off. He 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 took him a couple times in the '80s, dropped off in the '90s, and then Dave came in and has done what he's done. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. And fans need to if they if they looked at it like that, you know, as the as, as the final eight, the same kind of caliber of what the final four is. I think people would have a much broader, a much much more of an appreciation for what they've been able to accomplish. And and not to say that there's ungrateful hog fans. I think obviously. Razorback fans are they're a bunch of fanatics and that's not always a bad thing and I mean the support for this baseball program is it's almost unmatched in college baseball outside of maybe two or three other schools so we know there's definitely a lot of a lot of positive folks out there that are excited about Dave Van Horn and the and the, and the Razorbacks as far as their baseball program but I think more people need to view it through that lens like this is a big deal making Omaha as much as Dave has so well there's there's obviously plenty of Razorback fans in up there because you were hearing audible hog calls all night until late in the ninth inning. And plus, I mean, if you look at the Jello Shot Challenge up there in Omaha going on right now, I mean, Arkansas's got 678 Jello shots they put down uh, against, I think, Florida State's 100, I think is what Kyle said earlier. So obviously, 
uh, Razorback fans are, you know, excited to be there and drinking away their sorrows after that game one loss. Yep. Yeah, the, the count favors Arkansas pretty significantly by more than twice. I know that much. It's pretty incredible. Well, at least yeah. we'll win the yeah. At least we'll win the World Series at something. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we don't they'll get win, they'll win something Texas in State. Omaha, won't they? Yes. <laughs> it just <laughs> depends if they uh win if they win tomorrow, it might they the title might be theirs, but uh, if they lose, I mean, you never know. You you just don't know what's going to happen. But man, Arkansas, they're so close. I mean, They've been on the cusp of something great so many times in every single sport. And when you see it, I mean, just like last year, my father-in-law, who's 6'3", uh, probably just a he's, a, he's a pretty big guy. And when Carson Shaddy, Eric Cole, and Jared Gates let that ball drop right between all three of them, he just fell to the ground. You know, that... That just shows you how much this stuff means to these guys. Guys that have followed baseball, uh, the Razorback baseball, for so many years, they see that just just right there. Or you think about the Sugar Bowl where Joe Adams, if he would have caught that first pass on the first play of the Sugar Bowl and caught it instead of dropping it, I mean, Arkansas could have been on the – they were on the cusp of being super, uh, Sugar Bowl champions there. You think about it in basketball, I mean – Twice Arkansas plays North Carolina with a Sweet 16 bid on the line in the past five or six years. You're just on the cusp of it, and something happens. 2017, and, they should have advanced. Yes, yes. Yep. So you see these things, and Arkansas fans, they just want to grasp onto something here, and they see it. And I think, I think that's what hurt the most last year is they were down to their last out in the College World Series, and. I think that's what broke the hearts of so many fans is that they were so close to that national championship. And I'm telling you, if Arkansas, whenever they just have a little bit of a winner, you look at even in the Belama days in 2016, it was a sold out Rockets crowd and Ole Miss and Arkansas went seven and six that season. But Arkansas fans were selling out Reynolds Razorback Stadium still at that point. They'll sell out Bud Walton. You know, when they just see somebody just be above average, you know, these fans want to see it. They just want to latch on to somebody to win. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you said it exactly right. I mean, it's look at look at Bud Walton as, as much as they as average as that team has been. I mean, yeah, I understand Mike took them three out of four years, uh, three of the last four years. Uh, but even when they're just mediocre, that on Saturdays that place is packed and rocking. Yeah, and it continues to stay that way. And, and I mean, I one of my real good friends down here is a is a big LSU fan, and we talk about that all the time about Alex Box. Of course, now statistically, Alex Box does get more fans each year. But of course, look at LSU's baseball program. Look at the history there. Oh, yeah. But I mean, there's no question to me, Bomb Stadium in terms of just the overall everything. Uh, it's second to none. You got people waiting, waiting in line for game two before game one is even over, camping out outside of Baumwalker Stadium. Yeah, it's just it's it's unbelievable what the, what these fans will go through yeah, just to see a baseball game. game. Yep. So, real quick, you know, we're gonna. This is the last. This is the last topic we're gonna talk about with the baseball team. Real quick, was the importance of Casey Martin's at bat last night in the ninth inning. I call it, and also the uh, botched double play. This is the Casey Martin whiff. Man, 
if Arkansas could have just had that, it probably would have went into extras. Even if you get a pop fly there with Casey Martin to bring uh, Christian Franklin home to tie it, you, you got to know as a as a kid up at bat what you need to do in situations. And I think a lot of situational errors have happened this year on behalf of Casey Martin and Heston Kerstad. What are your thoughts here? Uh, well, I, did that count as an error? That had to have counted as an error, right? On Casey Martin on that botched double play. It didn't say in the box where it did not register as an error. So maybe I didn't. think Kenley. I think the only error in the game was when Kenley had that one where he dropped it and like the yeah. fourth or fifth, something like that, sometime in the middle yeah. of the game. Uh, maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like. And Martin had a lot of errors this year, and it, which is wild because D1Baseball.com had him ranked as like the number one shortstop coming into the season, and he has had so many errors this year. Again, correct me if I'm wrong on any of that, but I think that's what I saw coming into the year. And he, he was, he was the top one. That's incredible, and he I, was, you know, yeah. he's only a sophomore. He's got another year, and maybe we'll see that that switch in the off season at that position, or maybe they move him back. I, I don't know, but. Um, and Jack Kinley is, has this postseason. I, I, it seems like any time a ball's heading his way, I get a little nervous. Or when I hear Phil say it's a you know line drive towards second, I'm like, oh, God, Kinley, please don't drop the ball. And I don't know why I'm feeling that way because I don't think it was that way all regular season. So I wonder if they're getting like postseason nerves or something. I, I don't know what it is. But Martin is just um, – he's I don't, again, I don't have all his numbers in front of me, but he's been very shaky the last – I mean, a lot of his of his last at bats have been shaky. He's he's a little. Uh, we kind of felt like he was coming on strong there in the Ole Miss series, and uh, we thought maybe he was putting an end to his 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 poor hitting, and maybe it's back. I don't know, but they're going to need him. I mean, they're going to need everybody to step up, but Martin especially, because it seems oh, like man. when Martin is swinging his bat, everybody else is swinging their bats. So yeah, yeah, he's just got to yeah. quit trying to go yard every time. He's just he's trying to hit too many home runs and. And then he's not swinging at, at pitches that he should swing at. So, yeah, I don't know what's been going on with him. If it's, if he got complacent or if he's just got the jitters, whatever it is, it, it's got to change. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one difference I've seen in him this year is he's more, he's more lax than he was last year. Because last year at the plate, he was probably the most aggressive uh, batter on the team last year. And this year, you know, nobody's really had that edge to him. And – and especially Martin, because the most entertaining part of the 2018 run to the College World Series is just how aggressive Casey Martin was at bat and at stealing bases. That edge just hasn't been here this year, and I don't, uh, for whatever reason, I wish it would come back. And I wish Dave could like tap into the animal that was Casey Martin as a freshman. Yeah. So, you know that I mean. I think the whiff there uh, at the bottom of the ninth, where all he had to do is hit a sack fly and bring Christian Franklin in, would, that would have been big. But here we are. We can't look back at – I mean, we can reminisce all we want about what could have been last night. But here we are, here we are against Texas Tech, a team that we basically had their number on, uh, especially last year and then uh, the postseason where we beat them in game two. I mean, this is the second straight year we – uh, face these guys in game two of the college world series. So we have history with Texas tech. Yeah. And it's, I think the question right now, I'm actually kind of scrolling through Twitter, trying to look for the updates. We're not sure if they're going to pitch Trey Killian or Bryce Bonin, uh, which of course, you know, the Arkansas transfer and uh, that's the, right. both of those guys throw really well. 
And of course, they've got Josh Young. I mean, they've got a they've got a really talented core. Uh, Michigan took care of them yesterday. I was really impressed with what they were able to do. They're yes. really fast. They've got some good pitching. They're they're definitely a surprise team. But uh, but uh, the Texas Tech coach uh, Tim, I can't remember his last name. Him and Dave. Him and Dave have a very very similar story. Uh, they both came from Texas. They went to JUCO and then they both played at the schools that they're coaching at now. Uh, Dave's a little mm-hmm. bit, I think, about ten years older than him. But uh, both played JUCO, and then they coached JUCO in Texas, and now they've built their own programs. I mean, uh, they Texas Tech's gone to the World Series, I think, four out of the seven years he's been there. Yeah. Uh, so he's built his own program just like Dave has as well. Yeah. So, I mean, Arkansas, they, they've got a tough matchup tomorrow. But uh, as, as far as I, I think Arkansas and Texas Tech, it's going to be an entertaining game. Uh, it's tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Uh, I mean, of course, we're recording this on a Sunday, so it's Monday, two o'clock, uh, on ESPN, right? Uh, yes. Anybody, you may have that. Yes, it's on ESPN. I couldn't. I knew it was on the ESPN Family Network. So I didn't know if it's on the ESPN itself. Two o'clock. So, any of y'all that are uh, listening, yeah, you're gonna have to get up and and uh, take off work or call in sick or take an extended lunch break or something like that to to uh, watch your uh, watch your beloved hog. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes tomorrow, and hopefully Arkansas can put it together. And they, be, they, with their backs against the wall. I mean, Oregon State had to face the same situation last year, uh, where they lost their first game and they had to battle the losers bracket. So, hope's not lost, is it, Kyle? It's not. Not at all. So, so Kyle, real quick, you know what? What are the Tech Hogs about? You're, I mean, you you're very active on Facebook and and Twitter, and y'all have your own website blog uh, called Tex Hogs. Tell us a little bit about y'all. What what do you guys do? So uh, about a little around this time last year was during the World Series. Uh, a good buddy of mine from college that also lives in Texas. So I'm I'm in San Antonio, born and raised right outside of Little Rock. I've been here a little over two years. And um, he actually, he just contacted me. He's, he's in Dallas and he said, Hey, you know, you're real big into football. I'm super big into basketball. Why don't we put our ideas together and let's just kind of start something, do a podcast, do a Twitter page. So we started off and we, we called it Tex Hogs just with us being here and um, really just cover, especially with Chad Morris recruiting so heavily in this state. That's another thing that we wanted to follow as well. So during football season, I don't cover I don't cover recruiting quite to the extent that you do. I know you do it just about year round pretty heavily. I usually, I mainly do it during football season is when I get real big into it. Uh, but pretty much what we do is we're very active on Twitter. Uh, we have Instagram and Facebook. We're not quite as active on that. Uh, but basically uh, every, either bi-weekly or weekly typically uh, is when we do a podcast. And I've had Evan Lee on, former pitcher uh, that uh, now, pay, now plays for the Washington Nationals organization. I've had nationally known author, Michael Weinreb on who has written about four or five books. And so I just try to have, sometimes it's Corey and I that do it. Other times it's been me by myself, but I'd usually try to have a guest on and pretty much we're really what it boils down to is we just cover uh, Razorback sports kind of like you do, uh, but also just major sports stories in general. Right. So talk about the Texas recruiting a little bit. Six of the nine Arkansas Razorback commitments right now are guys from Texas how big is this this whole deal with Chad Morris? What is the enigma in Texas over Chad? Guys, why, he's, why are he's so a, many Texas guys coming? He is a legend here. Uh, he has been, not only is he from here, 
but he's he's coached uh, in the Houston area. He's coached in the in the DFW area, of course. I mean, when he was at Stephenville, I'm, I'm sure you guys remember Jevin Sneed that went to tech that went to uh, Texas same year as uh, he's in the same class as Mitch Mustaine and Tim Tebow, all those guys. And then he ended up, uh, I guess, because of Colt McCoy, he ended up transferring to Ole Miss. I mean, at one point was going to be number one draft pick before he kind of faltered out. But I mean, he coached guys like Jevin Sneed uh, when he was at Lake Travis, which mm-hmm. is just outside of Austin. He, uh, he he and Garrett Gilbert took them to back-to-back state titles. So he's got a lot of uh, big-time relationships here. And growing up in Arkansas, you hear about just because Texas is so close, you hear about how crazy this state is about football. Guys, I, I can't even explain it, how big it is here. I mean, it is literally a second religion. And, and it's big in Arkansas, too. But you just don't have quite as many – you don't have near the amount of schools. Like in DFW, you've got all kinds of different talent. That Guys that would be three stars in DFW area would be four stars in Arkansas just because of, just because of how much smaller it is there. But basically, Chad has just – he has just formed so many relationships and he's gained so much respect just within the coaches here and just the people in general. I'm, I'm about an hour away from Austin. I'm just an hour south uh, on 35 – and then I'm probably about two, two and a half hours, maybe, well, maybe closer to three hours away from College Station. But there, I would, I would honestly say I've met way more A&M fans here than I have UT. And just about every single one of them has said, had Jimbo Fisher not gone to A&M, they wanted Chad Morris. So he is very well respected, as I've, as I've mentioned, in this state. And as long as he's at Arkansas, I mean, he's going to recruit this state very hard. He's going to be successful at it. Ty, I know, I think it was last week or the week before you mentioned that it's crucial to, to recruit Texas in order to be successful at Arkansas. And, uh, I mean, I've said that for years myself. You know, Houston Nutt did it, but he wasn't getting big-time players from Texas, but he was getting a lot of diamonds in the rough that he developed. Petrino did a little bit. Bielema didn't at all. He got five total in his entire time at Arkansas from the state. So it, it's crucial. It, that's step number one in order to succeed at, at the University of Arkansas and Chad Morris, is, it seems like he's got it down to a T, so there's no telling what he can do once he actually starts winning. Yeah, yeah I, that, I think that's, that whole, that's the missing um, – sorry, Jacob, my bad. Go ahead. No, you go you get, you go, go ahead. Go ahead, bud. The, uh, that, that was the missing recipe for, for, I thought, with Petrino. And obviously we didn't get to see how that one panned out after uh, four, four years that came and went too fast, but – I always felt like, man, I wish he would have recruited Texas a lot heavier. Like, I, and I know there was a push there, and he had assistants there, and, and they were active in that state, but not like not like Nut was, and not like Chad Morris has been. And you know, hindsight being what it is, I mean, nothing we could do about how that ended up with Petrino. But I, I feel like that's just the history speaks for itself. When Arkansas's legit, when they're good, when they're competitive, it's when that roster is full of guys out of Texas, especially out of East Texas, and. Uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Chad Morris about you know just how how filthy he's recruiting that state, man. It's just it's and I mean that like in a in a great way. Like I just love how he's smothering that state. I don't know how many total offers they have. I I did see and I I thought this was bizarre. They had at one point something like twenty maybe twenty five offers in the state of Georgia, and I think he had a few offers last year, kind of in that region, you know, around you know maybe in the Virginias and down in, into the Florida area. A lot of offers, and obviously, I'm not sure if those were just like a "Hey, how you doing? We're here. We exist. We're offering you" kind of an offer, or if they were legitimately going after all that talent. I'm sure they weren't on all of them, and obviously, a lot of those guys probably weren't interested. But I, maybe this is just how stubborn I am. But I'm like, no, no, yeah, they got Monty Al Soli out of Georgia, but he's a legacy guy. 
put all that power into into North Louisiana, or or if you can in Louis in, in New Orleans, and then the rest into Memphis and Texas. You know, go go to Memphis, recruit the talent in Memphis because it's there and they're they're somewhat close here, and then put the rest of that energy in Texas. And I know you want to recruit, you, you know, outside. You want to make an influence in other states, but to me, it's just that the history speaks for itself. The proof is in the pudding. Recruit Texas, get the better talent, as good as you can get, and the rest will, you know, fall in place. Especially with his his supposed high IQ on offense, and you know, when you put everything together. I just, I just think that anything could happen, and um, right. I really like, I like what he's doing in the state of Texas. I, I really wish, if you want my honest opinion, and I already mentioned it, pull out of everywhere else. They've got a bunch of offers <laughs> out of Georgia. Just pull out of Georgia. Pull out of Florida. Don't, don't bother over there. And I know there's going to be people that are going to hit me up on Twitter or in my DMs. Like, why would you say that? They got to put the offers out. If they're somewhat interested, they got to offer these guys. And I'm like, no, no, spend that energy in Texas. That's where it's at. And I wish they would schedule more teams out of Texas. What are they doing scheduling uh, Memphis and these teams to the east of the Mississippi? What are they doing? No, schedule them to the west or uh, out further west. Get in that state. Schedule Oklahoma. I I know that's probably easier said than done, but. I don't know. I could go on a tangent about that, but well, and I think that he's doing exactly what you were that you kind of mentioned, like use your Texas, use Texas because that's your bread and butter just with his relationships there. But he's even mentioned that he's trying to get a footprint into Tulsa and to, and yeah. to Memphis. And so with, with Chavis being there with his Tennessee ties and, and just them trying to get in, cause there's, there is a boatload of, of talent in Oklahoma as well, especially in the Tulsa. I mean, Felix Jones was from there. I mean, we've got we've gotten a lot of a yep. lot of talent from that area, and so Keon yeah, I mean, Hatcher. yeah, Keon Hatcher from Owasso, and so there, yeah, there's a lot there, and and that's what they're doing. I mean, they're they're really just hitting Texas hard, just because. I mean, yep. of course, him, uh, Jeff Trailer, I think St- uh, Justin Steps got quite a bit of ta- of uh, connects there as well, and so yeah, and then and then they're working on getting more into Memphis and to, to Oklahoma, and so yeah, I think really they'll stretch out from there. Yeah, and that's that's been. I mean, that was. I mean, my gosh, when when Nut was here, like Memphis. Although you know they missed out on uh, who's the the running back, uh, Dears. Oh my uh, god, Angelo Williams. Yes, D'Angelo yes. Williams. Yeah, that was still. Oh my god, that was brutal when they lost out on him. And and I can remember my dad just being like, "Why? How? Like that? That's an area Nut has had success in recruiting. Like, how did they lose out? Obviously, I think it had to do with the stable of running backs Arkansas already had on campus, but. That was a tough one, but I, I, I want to get back to that and go where you, where you've had success, where you are a little bit more recognizable when you reach out that far. And I'm exaggerating on how many offers they had out in Georgia. I did look it up a few months back and it was, I was actually surprised at how many offers they had. I don't remember the exact number, but, and I, and I understand, like, like I said, you and I talked about Memphis. Yeah. That's a, that's a strength of that, that, that area is push out a lot of d1 talent and it's not that far from here and they're pretty recognizable arkansas when they walk into memphis they're going to be able to turn some heads and and grab some guys out of there and louisiana you're surrounding my my philosophy and i've said this on my youtube channel my philosophy in recruiting is you know the border states all the states that surround arkansas do what you can recruiting there and then just right over to, to texas and that's all there is to it i know we're speaking to the choir to most people listening to this but 
I have had people surprisingly like come back and like, no, 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 you need to just go to, to go to the Virginias, go to the Carolinas, do it. You know, Bielema had it right. He just struggled in his execution. Go back to Florida. And I'm like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? What is you struggled doing? Struggled in his execution. <laughs> yeah. To put that it lightly. You know, you, I've, I saw where maybe it was a podcast that I heard it on. I think it was, I think it was an Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And it was in the sports section where they were they were in they were interviewing Jeff Trailer, and he says, "You take me down Highway 59 in East Texas," and he lists off all these schools and mega powers in East Texas, and you give you you give me any player, any great standout player in any of those high schools in East Texas down Highway 59, I will take each and every single one of them. And I will come, and I will, I will make a successful team out of kids just out of East Texas. That's how big it is. And if you if you notice, when Jeff Trailer recruits Texas, is always hashtag Beast Texas. <laughs> and so that that that's a big deal. And and you you look at that, and you're thinking, okay, Beast Texas. Who else can be in there? You have a wide receiver named Colin Sullivan, and a defensive tackle maybe could be converted into a defensive end named Vernon Broughton Jr. Kyle. Now, I'll ask you, Kyle, about this because me and Ty have discussed Vernon. What are your thoughts here on Broughton? Do you think Arkansas I, has this chance at all for this kid? I listened to the pod, I guess that was two weeks ago. I think that was the same one y'all had Greg Curl on. I, I yes. heard y'all talking about a little bit about him. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, I don't. I think he's Texas all the way. Um, it's either going to be Texas or maybe A&M. I think he really likes Arkansas a lot. But that's that's the thing that I was kind of saying earlier. Like, I think one of the reasons why that Chad has been, has been so successful here is because you have these guys that are three stars that really have four-star talent, a lot of them like TQ Jackson, for instance. Yes. I think he probably would have been the number one recruit in Arkansas. No, no question asking. That guy yeah. is insanely talented. He's blazing quick i mean he's just a great receiver uh so that's that's just that's just one example right there but the majority of these kids they want to go to ut they want to go to yeah. AM. they want to go to the schools that are near them just like arkansas kids want to go to arkansas just like if devin bush could have gone to lsu he probably would have gone to lsu it's right. just it's the it's just the way that it works and i totally understand that i think that's kind of where i i haven't looked into i mean it's not like i've interviewed vernon or anything but I kind of feel like that that's kind of, that's basically where he's at in, in his recruitment is he's just looking at it as, look, UT wants me. Tom, Tom Herman's doing some good things up there. Uh, he really is. I mean, I think that the, I think that Sam Ellinger is going to have a really good year. I got I, one of my best friends here is a massive UT fan, and he's 100% convinced that Ellinger is going to win the Heisman. I'm not so sure that I'm going to go that far, but the way that he played last year and the way that he finished – He's got a chance to possibly be a finalist if they can definitely pick up pick up where they left off against Georgia in the right. in the Sugar Bowl. So, going a look back, basically back to what I was saying, I think with what Texas has building up there, and just with them wanting Vernon, I mean, he's crystal balled one hundred percent to go there, and I think that's probably where he's going to end up. Right. Uh, you, you brought up before the show Colin Sullivan too. He's a wide receiver out of Round Rock, Texas. What are your thoughts on him? I haven't seen a lot of film on him, but he's definitely uh, – Danny West really likes him a lot. He's been talking about him a lot uh, on the the whatever the uh, the 247 talk yeah. podcast that him and Trey Biddy do. I can't remember the exact name on, of it, but yeah. um, they've been talking very highly of him, and he really, he, he really likes Arkansas a lot. Here's what kind of scares me about that, kind of what I was saying about Vernon. 
Texas hasn't offered him yet. They're on his list. I believe it's like Baylor, Arkansas, and a couple of like one or two others. And Texas is on his list, but they're the only one on his list that hasn't offered. So Round Rock being just basically North Austin, essentially, uh, I'm kind of scared that if they if, if Arkansas goes after him and he might commit, we might have a Xavion Capers type situation where yeah. he could he could decommit and flip over to Texas. Because once if he commits, because he's already been offered, you know how it works, especially with Texas and Texas A&M. It's kind of like what happened with Chris Russell and a lot of other guys that have, from the JUCO linebacker situation that we had. Chris Russell was a two-star recruit committed to Memphis out, out of the Memphis area. Arkansas comes in and offers him, and Tennessee, Ole Miss. A&M comes yeah. in and, and does it right after us, and A&M ends up getting him. So that kind of seems to be the trend with Texas schools. Once Arkansas offers, some of the Texas schools and other big schools pull the trigger as well. Right. So that's the only thing that worries me about Colin is if he does commit that if, if Texas comes in and, and gives him the offer, he could probably go to them. That's just pure speculation. But there was uh, There's one kid out of Texas, out of uh, Athens. You know who I'm going to talk about. 6'5", 292-pound four-star Garrett Hayes. I think he's like uh, – I think he's like top 20 player in the state. And there's some who speculate. He's like, like 114 overall. He's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's expected. Like I've heard people talk about him possibly getting that fifth star. What like I what research I've done on him, it sounds like Arkansas could get the kid and you know, he could commit. And I feel like he's gonna be he could be the next offensive lineman to commit, but I know it's down between what who's it? It's Arkansas and A and M. Isn't that right? Yeah. Is it A and M or Texas? I believe it's A and M, yeah. I looked at it earlier and I think I believe it is A and M. Yeah, it is A and M. I'm looking at it right now. What are your thoughts? You think Arkansas has a good shot there? I do. I, I think that they have a very – I agree with you. I think that probably – if I had to take it – now, like I said, you guys you guys do recruiting, especially this time of year, way more than I do. I mean, I keep up with it. I, I'm a subscriber to, to Hog Sports, so I keep up with all that. But uh, I think Blaine Toll is probably going to be the next commitment. And then and then it could be, it's, it's going to be one of those two that if I had to take a, just a shot in the dark here, I would say it's either going to be Garrett Hayes or Blaine Toll. And Blaine Toll, yeah, and I'm with you on Blaine Toll. I, I had – I felt pretty strongly a month ago he was going to commit to Oklahoma at any point in time, and now it's like, oh, wait, nope, he had a good time. His parents like Arkansas. I think both his parents are pretty big fans uh, of the university, and I guess he had a good time. Yeah. And I know there was a picture of him. Man, that guy's ripped. There's a picture of him in like a razor rag jersey, and he's like flexing, like a Hulk flex. That guy is huge. Um, but I'm excited. I, I agree. I think he's going to be end up. He's either going to be the next commit or he'll be the next defensive lineman commit. I feel like. I feel like Garrett Hayes is going to be the next offensive lineman that commits. It's going to come down between him and there's a guard out of Memphis that I think could pull the trigger, but he's also kind of been one of those at any moment could also flip to any other program. But I think Arkansas is leading uh, Chris, uh, that's Chris Morris, kill. Chris Morris. Yeah. He's not real big. I think he's like six, three, six, two, two eighty seven. but he's a big time prospect out of Memphis. We touched on that a minute ago, hit up Memphis, get those, get those ballers out yep. of there. And Morris is one of them. Um, but and Tykeus like- Crawford or is, or is that his name? Tykeus Crawford, the one yes. that committed already. I believe yeah, he's yeah, out of Memphis yes. as well. Yeah. yeah, he is. That's right. Yep. He sure yeah. is. Tykeus Crawford. Got a, oh, got no, a no, hold he's, on. He's out of Carthage. No. He's, he's out of Carthage, Texas. He's, he's out of Texas. That's right. I was thinking, yeah. That's one we've got to hold on to. I was for some reason I was thinking he was out of Memphis, but yeah, that's one that you've got to hold on to. Yeah, but there was they did get it. They did get someone out of Memphis last year, right? Is that maybe what we're thinking about? Didn't they pick Chris Russell up? was the one that was looking like. So whenever they whenever they whiffed on all the linebackers with Lakia, which you know there was definitely something dirty going on with Lakia Henry, but Chris <laughs> Russell was another, one. and then Cy Martin out of East Mississippi Community College. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't remember where Cy went, but when he, based on what I was reading, when he visited, he was he was telling everything. Of course, whenever they visit, they're always going to say, "Oh, I had a great time. The people here are great. The university's yeah. great." But I mean, this guy was saying like, "You can expect a decision from me very soon." I loved what I saw. I mean, he was talking major highly of the Razorbacks, and I can't remember where he ended up going. And of course, Lakia Henry does all that stuff with Ole Miss, and then uh, and then Chris Russell ends up picking A and M. But it was looking like we were we were going to get Chris. Chief really liked him a lot, and yeah. so he pulled Sign the trigger Martin. first. They Sam Martin ended up at Missouri. Missouri, okay. Oh, gosh, why? This is this is kind of my concern about that. That's the position we all know. Everyone here knows on this podcast that linebacker they are razor thin, and they could not. That was a big blow to that recruiting class last year. At the end of the at the end of the the recruiting cycle, like it was still a great class, especially when you consider they went two and ten. But the position they absolutely needed to nail down on was linebacker. And I mean, look, Scooter Harris goes down this year. They're they're in serious trouble, you know. Outside of and I, you know, Bumper Pool will be a sophomore. Yeah. Like, how comfortable are you with a second year guy who only kind of played off and on half of the year last season? And I think Bumper Pool is going to be amazing. I think Zach Zymos, when he, you know, as he develops under Chief and, and under that staff, he'll become something pretty good too. I think. But right now, like missing out on those two guys just absolutely, I don't know, kind of took some of the air out of the. Uh, out of the recruiting, the Razorback recruiting ball that they had going. Like they were really, you get Henry or, or Robinson, you get either one of those two guys. That's huge. And they whiffed on both of them. And I know I'm with you. There's something anytime Ole Miss takes away a big time prospect like that. I'm like, wait, nope. You just can't help but feel that way. Well, <laughs> you know? and I don't think, I don't think enough people are talking about this. I actually did a quick, like a 10 minute segment just cause I had been talking position groups with a lot of people. I was actually on one of my buddies' podcasts uh, that he, he actually covers Miami sports, and he wanted to talk about Dan Enos and stuff like that since he's their OC. And basically went on there with him, and we talked about Ben Hicks and then, like, the spring practice deal. So just because I had had all these conversations with people, I, I wanted to go on and talk about gr- groups that I'm pretty excited about. And the one that I was majorly concerned with is linebacker. I mean, I don't think that people realize what a long season it could be. I mean, even if – Scooter stays healthy with the amount of work he's going to have to put in. Like you said, you've got Scooter and you've got Bumper. So Scooter will be the Mike, and then and then Bumper will be the Will. And then behind them, you've got Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry, Andrew Parker. That's totally unproven. We don't know. I mean, he's got all kinds of potential, but we don't know what he can do. Giovanni LaFrance, Dion Edwards. We just not only do we not have much depth, we don't have any experience. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, like. I don't. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to talk down on a kid. I won't talk down on a kid. But I'm just honest. I don't trust Grant Morgan, and I don't trust Hayden Henry. No, I, it, I mean, I. I just don't. They're, and they're legacy they guys. They're guys right. who have the last name. They have the last name, right. and and, not, and like you said, the, you don't want to take anything away from them. They're they are athletic. They're great athletes. But like, what are they as far as like compared to the rest of the SEC? Can they play at this level? And, and I'm. I agree. You, I. They're just. They're so razor thin at that position. And you're telling me we got to, we, you're going to have to lean on those two guys to, to fill in. And it's just not, I don't know. It, it's really bleak future at the linebacker position. I am, like I said, Zymos, I'm excited about. Pool, I'm excited about. I really wish to God they had Dre Greenlaw back this year. Yeah. Um, uh, nothing you can do about time. Like he's seniored out and he's in the pros, but they're just, they're in a lot of trouble at linebacker. And it's, they're going to have to nail it down. I've said that on my channel time after time. Every time I touch up on linebacker recruiting, it's like this is the position they're going to have. This and obviously offensive line, I, we're, we all agree on that. 
everyone listening to this knows the offensive line's in some trouble, but they're working on it at least there. They added a couple of Juco guys. One of them is probably going to at least start this year. You're starting to feel like they're molding something there, but the linebacker position, it just looks well, so and they, and they Well, they at least signed five in a lot of offensive linemen. Yep. It's really as great as they have done, and this is something another thing that I said on my pod. I I think as great as the, as that coaching staff has done, and, and it's one of the most phenomenal performances I've ever seen recruiting wise, especially with a two and ten record. Yep. But I am a little critical just be, because they have they still haven't gotten a linebacker. I mean, they've had so many chances to get JUCO guys, and you still haven't brought any in. And it's I mean, we're what two months from fall camp, and you you didn't bring any in over the spring at all. It's it's just really concerning. I mean, even if they're not the most talented in the world, just to get some bodies. Because, I mean, Scooter Harris, I, if, if he does stay healthy, it's not going to shock me if he has 120, 130 tackles with the amount of work that he's going to put in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's going to have that yeah. much more great film. Wonderful, you know, but you question, like, and I don't question his durability overall because he's been, I don't know that he's missed a whole lot of time throughout his career at Arkansas, but, like, like you said, if he goes down, uh, you're, that's just such a huge gap at that position. So I'm with you. G- go after some Juco. Go after – you know, that's what Steve Spurrier did at South Carolina. If you go back and look at his recruiting, his first few seasons there, like he was going after Juco linebackers left and right. Didn't land them all, but he grabbed a couple that were, ended up doing pretty well. I think, um, you know, Tennessee had tried doing that a little bit. Like, you know, anytime there's a there's – you've got a gaping hole like that in a position – and you're coming in and you're trying to build a foundation, you know, well, I'm not going to be able to bring in a whole lot of five-star, four-star talent out of high school to help that position out, but maybe I need to try out some JUCO guys. And we're not really seeing that with this staff, and it's concerning. I'm not questioning their recruiting abilities. Again, 2-10, and 10, top 25 class across all recruiting sites is amazing. I don't know that that's ever happened at Arkansas, maybe once or twice before. That's incredible during this digital era of social media but or excuse me of uh, online recruiting sites that's incredible but like here you've got this huge problem at linebacker and i'm with you i don't feel like they're making any effort at all to, to kind of solve the problem there and that's really concerning yeah so i mean what they have been able to be successful in is bringing in four-star quarterbacks mm. I and mean, they brought in kj jefferson and they also brought in chandler morris uh on friday what are your thoughts kyle on chandler morris i like what i see from him. i've seen film on him and it's it's really tough and those type of offenses that they that highland park runs that to really tell what kind of because i mean john stephen jones was amazing in that offense too and i think that he's not a bad quarterback i don't think he's gonna do anything at arkansas but it, Chandler does have the he, he's very he's very accurate. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's been some people that were com- with completely unbiased opinions saying that he would be one of the top quarterbacks in the country if he was three or four inches taller. But I think he's he's got a good arm. Uh, but it's just going to really it's going to be really uh, hard to tell until he actually gets to college on what he'll be able to do in terms of the future. Uh, I, I really like what I saw from KJ Jefferson. He's a, and this is something I had said a while back on a podcast. I think the the three quarterbacks that you're really looking at for this year. Of course, Starkle, Ben Hicks, KJ, they all have big-time arms, but but especially Hicks and KJ Jefferson, based on what I've seen from KJ's high school film, he's going to take a lot of chances. He's got a you know, solid arm, but um, I don't think I don't get that vibe with Chandler, though. I don't think he's going to, like, take chances. I think it's more of uh, he's going to try to – he's going to be patient. He's going to sit back. But then again, you know, he does play for a really, really good team with tons of talent around him. So – 
I think he's got he does have loads of potential. He's not like your typical he's not like your typical uh step back in the pocket, air it out quarterback that's just gonna that's just a system. I think that he could I think he fits the system well that Chad is trying to implement. And only time will tell, but I, I do like this. Uh, I mean, if you're not gonna be able to get what what's the the quarterback from Moralton that just committed to North Carolina? Jacoby Criswell. Uh, Jacoby Criswell. If you're not gonna get him, which it looks like he was their other main target for this class. That I think definitely Chandler is is a great second yeah. option, and so I, I use that word. I, I don't mean I don't mean second option as an insult, but I, I think that he's definitely. If you're not going to get Criswell, then he's yeah. Good. And, you know, I I think you know the future beyond Hicks and, and Starkle. It is going to. I feel like right now it's going to come down between obviously Chandler and uh, KJ Jefferson. So I've gotten a lot of blowback on that. Uh, there's a lot of KJ Jefferson fans out there, rightfully so. The guy, I mean, look, I think if he works on some of his throwing mechanics, he could be an absolute monster. Um, this is what Chandler did last year as a junior. He completed 64% of his passes through for 4,000 yards, 46 touchdowns to six interceptions, rushed for 647 yards with 20-plus uh, touchdowns on the ground. And like you said, he's surrounded by talent. But they're also playing a really high level of, of football there at 5A in Texas. And we know that's that's a big deal in that division for him to be that successful and to take them to a, a, another state. Well, I guess he led them that year to the state title. The year before that, he was a backup. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you, though. I That size does concern me. And I, I know you're not supposed to have that bias around size. I, I get it. But we have seen – we have seen guys go on at that height and, and have success at this level, but it's just not very often. I'm not, yeah. and I'm not sitting here telling you that Kyler Murray didn't exist. Yeah, he was five. I think Kyler Murray was a five eleven, five ten guy at OU, but um, I just, I don't know. I, I like Chandler a lot. His throwing mechanics, everything about his ability to throw the ball, he's spot on. He's accurate. Um, I'm sure he's got some things he needs to work on here and there, as they all do, especially coming out of high school, but. You just wonder that that size, how much does it hold him back? You know, it's the same thing people were saying about John Stephen Jones. He's too small to be a, you know, a quarterback at this level in the SEC. You know, and you don't hear that same rhetoric with Chandler. So I don't know. It's I'm waiting and see. I'm not saying. Look, the guy just got his fourth star. There are people who who know a lot more about recruiting quarterbacks than I do than than anyone here that's saying that. Yeah, he's legit. So hey, we'll wait and see and. Maybe he, he comes in and right out the gate he competes. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm with you. I'm I'm a little bit skeptical, but I, I think it, anything could surprise me when it comes to Chandler. But I, I'm really excited about the future at the quarterback position. You know, you look at uh, I think a lot of Chandler overshadowed the other commitment uh, out of out of Texas in North Shore's John Gentry. I mean, five eleven, one eighty six, running back, sitting behind, or he's not really sitting behind. But he's uh, splitting carries with the number one running back uh, uh, recruit in the nation, and Zach Evans. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Kyle, on John Gentry? I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot about John Gentry. I know that they've definitely got a lot of talent, like you said. They've got Evans there, the number one running back in the country. I know. I know he's pretty much between Georgia and Bama, just like every number one running back in the country is every single year. But I know they've got a very talented quarterback. Uh, they, they've got some really good football out in the Houston area, and uh, North Shore, I believe, is is one of those. And uh, But I, I haven't seen any film off of I, I had heard of him just looking through recruiting reports. I don't know a lot about him, but, uh, I mean, I have seen some reports that there's a lot of people that think that he's just because he, he, him being basically the second-tier guy – he hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention, and so 
Uh, who knows? He could blow up this year, and that could be good for us, yeah. though. If if he may have he may not have like the amazing stats, but that could that kind of what I was saying earlier. It seems whenever we offer someone, all the other schools come in. So he could right. if if they see talent in him and he can fit this offense well, that could bode well for us if he doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Matt Steps at Rivals, uh, Ty sent me this tweet uh, a couple of days ago. It says, so North Shore's second running back commits to Arkansas today, dot, 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 amazing. Hashtag Texas High School Football. Then he goes back and he quotes his uh, tweet saying, end quote, second running back, end quote. Gentry probably starts at literally every other Texas high school football program in the state and rushes for 2,000 yards, FWIW. So, I mean... Gentry, obviously Matt Stepp, who follows Texas high school football very, very high. I mean, he he's one of the best Texas guys on rivals, but he's a guy that you know if he if he thinks that John Gentry is a good yeah, I, I'll I'll take his word for it. So uh, if he thinks that he has that much talent there that he could rush at two thousand yards at the Texas high school football level, I'll take him any day. Let me. I want to ask both of you guys this, really. When we know that Chad Morris is, a, you know, he's known for his offensive, uh, his capability as an offensive coordinator, you know, what he did at Clemson and what he was able to do at SMU. And then you combine that with Arkansas's reputation of at one time being regarded as RBU. Are you too surprised at his inability to bring in like better talent at that position? And nothing against Gentry. I think Gentry could be great. But are either you a little bit surprised they don't have more of these higher-touted running backs kind of lining up at the door to play for Chad Morris at Arkansas? Kyle, you go first. Say that you kind of broke out on me there. What was the last part of it? Are, are either of you uh, are you surprised that Arkansas hasn't been able to bring in more talent at that position, like the higher-tier talent at the running back position? <sighs> um, You know, yes and no. Because, like, Houston Nutt, I feel like we brought in the most talent that we've ever had. Of course, with D-Mac and, for sure, the best duo that we ever had. But, yeah, I I guess I would probably lean more towards yes, just because of the amount of years. I mean, under Nutt, even Petrino. Of course, Nile Davis had that breakout year. And then, I guess, in the – Right, yeah, Dennis Johnson. And then Jonathan uh, Jonathan, – what's the guy? Jonathan Williams. Oh, my gosh. Jonathan Williams. I couldn't remember his name. He was recruited by Petrino, and then he uh, had had his first his freshman year. He did really well under, under John L. Smith, even though we didn't have a good year. Um, so I mean, yeah, they 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 tend to get those guys year after year after year. But besides Dmac and Felix, I mean, really, were any of those guys extremely? I don't I don't really think that they were out of this world good. I think Nile Davis was maybe a three star. Jonathan Williams, I believe, was a three or four star. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess to answer your question, I mean, I am, but I, I think that we have not seen the best of Rakeem Boyd. I was watching Last Chance U recently. I rewatched it, and that whole deal. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever watched it. Uh, a lot of profanity. If you don't like profanity, yes. I wouldn't recommend it. But um, there is there at the very beginning of the show. He's just. It takes him about five games to really get going. He just, he just, he carries himself in a weird way. He just doesn't seem like he's all there. And last year, I think that he was kind of worried about his shoulder. I think he was worried about whether he was going to get blocks. I don't know exactly what it was. I can't quite put a finger on it. But I think that Rakeem has a big chance to break out this year. I think that the running backs in general, I mean, all four of our guys, Devois, TJ, 
Chase Hayden and Rakeem by some recruiting service were a four-star coming out of high school. And TJ, you can say he was underused, but I think too, sometimes he didn't, he did that. Some cases did not make the most of his opportunities. Devois seems to be healthy. He, he shaved off some pounds. Chase Hayden was, I mean, after a great freshman year, he kind of dropped off last year. I know that he was dealing with the death of his grandmother and just maybe some other personal things, but it, Rakeem in general, I think that he could go off this year. I mean, I don't think that I think that he is a five-star caliber running back that we have not seen the best. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I sometimes I'm shocked that we haven't gotten like five more five-star talent just because of the running backs that we produce. Maybe not five stars, but more fours. But it seems that we've developed really well over the years. Yes. yes. So, man, I think that was a really entertaining segment here. Uh, I had maybe the Zach Smith story here that I wanted to tap tap on, but due to time restraints, really don't have time to talk about that. But Kyle, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, accepting our invitation for you to come on the show. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Ty, another great show, man. Hey, six is in the books. Good stuff. Good stuff. uh, It's always good too to hear. Like I feel like we have a Texas recruiting insider here. And uh, yes. <laughs> we're going to have to bring you back on Kyle. Cause you know, yeah. way more about Texas recruiting than they either, either of us combined. So kudos, man. Thanks. For it's, you. A, it's a whole nother world down here, my man. I mean, it's, you know, uh, everybody knows what colors I bleed here, but yeah, I'll tell you, I catch a lot of crap, but I'm fine with it. I was going to say, it's gotta be a hard life, especially with all them A&M fans. Ugh. Yeah. Well, well, Razorback nation. This is Jacob, Mr. Ty in Springdale. And Kyle from Texogs, we're signing off. This was the Hog Talk Podcast. At McCoy Tiger Joe, they are your one-stop shop for all your needs, whether it's prescriptions, jewelry, t-shirts, and more. You can get it all here. They have your shingles, pneumonia, tetanus, and all shots under the sun, and all the prescription drugs you need. At 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, Sparky, Casey, and the whole gang are ready to assist you in all your needs. Call them today at 870-942-5121. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In of Sheridan gives you fast, friendly service and burgers that will please your palates. Ice cream that would treat you like no other. Their food is cooked to order, and it's definitely not fast food at all. Always fresh and never frozen, the Yellow Jacket Drive-In, located at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. Call your order in ahead, 870-942-2486. The top power washing crew in all of Arkansas is Winston Power Washing. Based out of Sheridan, Arkansas, Jackson and his guys are ready to give you your home, your business, your town, or anything. A new update, a bath, and way much more. With top equipment and fast work, Jackson can get your place ready to have you up and going and ready to impress your visitors. Go look them up today, www.facebook.com slash Winston Power Washing. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.